Wilder Community Church, we are for following Jesus together to the glory of God. We're for the church, for the community, for the nations, and for the next generation. To contact us or for more information, see our website at wildwoodchurch.org. If you have been at Wildwood with us in 2021, you know that we've been walking through in a number of different messages, which book of the Bible? Galatians, you've been here. That makes me feel good. So when we think about this this wonderful letter that Paul wrote to his friends in Galatia, we have walked through over the last eight and a half months, 20 different messages. Today is the 21st message that we have had from Paul's letter to the Galatians. And we've scattered those messages across a number of different series. We began the year by talking about the, the new that Jesus has normalized, this new covenant in him. And then we talked about how Jesus himself is the new way. And inside of that new way, he has given to us the new power of the Holy Spirit so that we might live out the last few weeks we've seen this new love in the way that we relate to one another inside the church. And so over the last number of weeks, we have walked through uh, 21 different messages. Now, When I say that, and I talk about this being the the last of those messages, the third part in the New Love series, some of you are feeling like this, we made it. (laughs) Finally, we'll get to move on to another passage of Scripture. Um, And that that may be how some of you are feeling. Um, And if you're feeling that way, then maybe this morning you need to gather for a reminder of some of the great truths from the last number of weeks. But for others of you, you might be going wait a second, this is part 21? This is my first Sunday. What do you mean part 21 in all of these messages? Uh, Maybe I should just leave because I'm going to be lost because I wasn't here for the other 20 messages of this series. Well, Well, hang in there because in today's installment in this series, we're going to see Paul summarizing pretty much everything he communicated in the first 20 messages of this series in all six chapters of this letter. So for all of us, I think there's something great for us to see this morning in Paul's letter to the Galatians. Specifically today, we're going to look at verses 11 through 18. But before we we look at those, I I wanted to just draw uh, some clarity around the idea that Paul is here summarizing the main point of his letter. And we know that not just because we often summarize things at the end. You know, if you ever took an English class in high school, there is a conclusion paragraph to your essay. We know it not just because we should expect it, but we know it because of something specific in the text. It's really interesting what Paul says in Galatians 6, 11. He he writes to his friends in Galatia and he says, see with what large letters I am writing to you with my own hand. Now, what in the world is going on with a sentence like that? We need to know that in the first century, there, there were not laptops. There were not iPads. There were not iPhones. If you were going to send a letter to a friend, you would have to write it out on some kind of parchment and then send it. Well, if if you're going to send it that way, not everybody has penmanship that is sendable. And so often in that era, a secretary would be used to write down the words of another. So Paul would speak the words, the secretary would write them down. The, The technical word for that was an amanuensis, would write down the words that Paul said and turn them into these letters that would be sent to these various churches. Well, in several different instances, and one of them is here, at the end of letters, Paul would grab the pen away from the secretary and begin to write down these words himself. 
Now, it's, it's highly possible that Paul's handwriting was just different, read worse, than the secretary's. And so as Paul writes, it looks, the letters are a little bigger, they're a little different looking. And Paul says, I want you to know that I'm writing this with my own hand. They're like, no kidding, because they would have seen the original. They're like, this doesn't look as pretty as those other verses. But Paul says, I'm going to write it in my own hand because I want to draw attention to how I'm going to finish this letter. Not only to put my autograph on it so that you know it came from me, but also to underline the main point. Don't miss it. In an era before, you know, control B to bold or control L to underline or whatever, um, in, in an era before blowing up the font size with a click of a button, he picks up the pen and he writes it in slightly different script so that they can't miss the conclusion. So what does Paul say in the conclusion? Well, friends, he, he ends this letter with a game of follow the leader. He ends this letter by summarizing his message by saying, there are those who are going to want to lead you and they're trying to lead you in the wrong direction. Don't follow them. But there is someone who wants to lead you in the direction of life and I want you to follow him. We're going to see this game of follow the leader and who we're not to follow and who we are to follow as we look at verses 11 to 18 together. So if you've got a Bible, turn there. We're going to read these verses, and then I'm going to back up and make three observations from these verses for us today. Paul writes and says this. He says, See with what large letters I'm writing to you with my own hand. It is those who want to make a good showing in the flesh who would force you to be circumcised, and only in order that they may not be persecuted for the cross of Christ. For even those who are circumcised do not themselves keep the law, but they desire to have you circumcised, that they may boast in your flesh. But far be it from me to boast, except in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ, by which the world has been crucified to me and I to the world. For neither circumcision counts for anything, nor uncircumcision, but a new creation. And as for all who walk by this rule, peace and mercy be upon them and upon the Israel of God. From now on, let no one cause me trouble, for I bear on my body the marks of Jesus. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with your spirit, brothers. Amen. Now, friends, in these few verses, as Paul concludes this letter, he's going to let us know about those we are not to follow and those we are to follow. And we're going to see that in three movements through these verses. But for those of you who have been with us the last number of weeks, I want you to think about what you would anticipate the two categories of leaders that Paul's going to refer to might be represented as. Inside of chapters 5 and 6 of Galatians, in a number of different instances, Paul talked about two categories, two soils where we are to sow seed, either in the soil of the Spirit or in the soil of the flesh. Yeah, you were here last week. That's wonderful. So we think about those ideas, we would have an expectation as we look at these verses that Paul is talking about the contrast between fleshly leaders we are to avoid and spiritual leaders that we are to follow. And we would be correct. That's exactly what he does in these verses. So the first thing we need to see is what a fleshly leader looks like. Paul lets us know in these verses that fleshly leaders use you for their gain. Fleshly leaders use you for their 
gain. Now we see this in verses 12 and 13, but it's helpful for us to once again remember who Paul's opponents were in the Galatian region. See, Paul had gone on a mission trip. He had gone to the Galatian region. He had preached the good news of Jesus Christ, salvation by Jesus and Jesus alone. And a number of people in Galatia had believed and the churches of Galatia had been planted. But after Paul left that area, there were those that were following him who were unbelieving Jews, Jews who didn't believe in Jesus. And they were trying to convince Paul's new converts in Galatia that what they really needed was not Jesus. What they really needed was Jewish. They needed to become Jewish. So that's why they were emphasizing things like being circumcised. Sure, you can believe in Jesus if you want to, but you got to go ahead and be circumcised too. And so there were two leadership groups that were influencing the people of Galatia. There was Paul and his group, and there were the Judaizers or the Jewish leaders. Now, in this instance, the fleshly leaders that, that Paul is going to reference are those Jewish leaders who were trying to take the church, Galatian church, away from Jesus and back towards the Jewish movement. Now, we see this lay out for us in verses 12 and 13. So where do we see it? Well, in, in verse 12, what we find out is that those Jewish leaders, they wanted the Galatians to be circumcised just because it would make for a good show. In other words, if they could convince these grown men to be circumcised, somebody else would go, you really accomplished something. You've convinced all of these people to be circumcised. You have added to the Jewish number. And so they were most concerned, not with what was happening on the inside of people's lives. They were most concerned with these people in Galatia doing the right things on the outside, participating in the right religious ceremonies. Now, they wanted to do that for at least one particular reason that Paul mentions here. They wanted the Galatians to be circumcised, not because it was in the best interest of the Galatians, but they wanted them to be circumcised so that they, the Judaizers, might avoid persecution. See, when people were following Jesus and Jesus alone, and they weren't adding in all these other religious things that they were syncretizing into their faith. Everybody, you know, would persecute them. They persecuted the people who were following Jesus and Jesus alone. But those who had a little bit of Jesus alongside the Jewish religion, well, then that was okay. And so these folks were coming around and they were trying to convince the Galatians to be circumcised, not because it was in the best interest of the Galatians, but so that they could save their own skin. Now, Verse 13 tells us another part of this. It says, For even those who are circumcised do not themselves keep the law, but they desire to have you circumcised that they may boast in your flesh. Again, they were not interested in what was best for the Galatians, but they wanted the Galatians to be circumcised, not because they thought that circumcision led to life. They knew that wasn't true. But they wanted them to be circumcised so that they might boast in them. They wanted something from the Galatians. And so these fleshly leaders did not want something for the Galatians. They wanted something from them. And that's how they were leading them. And Paul summarizes their position in verses 12 and 13, basically to say, avoid these folks. Cut out those influences. Now, when we think about all of that, 
we need to make the step to today. Because we live in a day, in an age, where there are a number of different people trying to lead us as well. So how do we know who we are to follow? How do we know the kind of leaders that we are to avoid? Well, we could just put the headline, we are to avoid fleshly leaders, but how do we recognize a fleshly leader? Well, there's a number of clues in this passage that will help us identify fleshly leaders that we are to avoid, fleshly leaders that we are not to follow. The first category we might think of is we recognize a fleshly leader with how we are treated by them. Specifically, as it relates to us, a fleshly leader sees you just as a number, not as a person, not as someone with an individual story. They want you around because they want you to fill a chair. They want you around because they want you to write a check. They don't want you around because you're you. They don't want you around because they want to see something happen inside of you. They don't want you around because they want to do something together. They want you around because of how it makes them feel. This is a sign of a fleshly leader. Now, we can think of examples of fleshly leaders in a number of different fields, from business to government, etc. But let's not just export all of this idea. Let's think about how that frame of mind can even impact the church, because that's the context that Paul is getting after. Wearsby helps us think about this a little more when he says this. He says, while it is certainly not wrong to want to win people to Christ or to see the work of the Lord increased, it is definitely wrong to want these blessings for the glory of man. In other words, we ought to want to see people come to faith in Christ. We ought to want to see the church grow, but it's not so that people will think the pastor is cool or the church is happening. The reason why we want that to happen is not for the glory of man. It's to the glory of God. And it's for the blessing of the community. He says, we want to see more people sharing in our ministries, not so that we can count people, but because people count. But we must be careful not to use people to further our own selfish programs for our own glorification. And so one of the signs of a fleshly leader is they look at you and they see you as a number. Avoid following leaders who see you only as a number. Second thing, as it relates to content, polls define truth. As it relates to content, polls define truth. You see, the people who were trying to influence the Galatian church in the wrong direction, they just kind of showed up in Galatia and they stuck their finger up in the wind and they saw the direction of public opinion. They said, you know what, it seems like If we can just get them circumcised, then our lives will be easier. So we are for circumcision. Not what was in the best interest of the Galatians. Not not in what was true in the gospel, but in what was popular in the culture. And so we need to be aware of fleshly leaders who use the pull of public opinion to determine what is right and wrong, what is truth and error. See, friends, God, by His grace, has given us the truth. He's given us the standard. Beware of people who invent their own truth and who invent their own standard. He says that we are to avoid fleshly leaders who look at you as a number or who take polls to define what truth is. Or a third possibility about a fleshly leader is that there's someone, as it relates to programs, who are more interested in shine than substance. See, the 
Judaizers in Galatia were just mostly interested in what it looked like. They were most interested in the ritual and in the performance of it all. They weren't interested in what was really happening on the interior in the hearts and lives of the Galatians. Paul says, be be, be careful of following people who are more interested in how something looks than what's really going on on the inside of our lives. Now, I I go through these, these three categories because we need to remember that these are leaders that we are not to follow. Now, I, I think that's important for us to think about that for two reasons. One, if you see evidence of this kind of leadership in the leadership of our church, come and challenge us on it. Not on the basis of opinion, but on the, on the basis of the Word of God. We do not want to be a church that is led by the flesh. We want to be a church that is led by the Spirit. And so this is for accountability for all of us. But a second thought to share with this is, is just the, the, the idea that not all of you will be here forever. Some of you, at some point in your life, will move to an inferior town. You'll go someplace else. And when you do, how will you decide which church you're going to affiliate with? Which movement or Bible study you're going to be a part of? Well, Paul tells us, don't be a part of groups that are led by the flesh. Don't be a part of leaders who are leading out of the flesh. So it's important for us to remember that. But a second thing that we need to remember is to not be these kinds of folks, right? Not be these kinds of folks. Don't be someone who just looks at everybody else around you and says, what can you do for me? Look at them as someone created in the image of God with dignity, worth, and value, someone to be loved and treasured and prized, someone that you have the privilege and opportunity to serve, not looking at others and saying, what can you do for me? Don't be someone who looks to the popular opinion of the moment to determine the truth. Have your understanding of truth rooted in God's word. Don't be someone who looks at just, is something cool? Is it shiny? Is it pretty? What's the true substance that lies underneath it all? See, friends, we are to be people who don't follow those led in the flesh, and we are to be people who don't live according to the flesh. We see some reminders of that inside of these verses, as we are reminded of the fleshly leaders who have a desire to just use us for their gain. But there's a a, a second kind of a leader that is highlighted inside of these verses. And that leader is is highlighted in verses 14 through 17. And that's not the fleshly leader, but want to guess who it is? It's the spiritual leader. And Paul is the example of the spiritual leader. And he says spiritual leaders, their desire is to bless you for your benefit. Now, ultimately, it's for the glory of God. But God is glorified as you are developed in righteousness. And so the spiritual leader wants to see Christ formed in you, wants to see your lives transformed. And that was Paul's chief interest in the time that he spent in Galatia. So we've seen what the fleshly leader looks like. What does the spiritual leader look like? Well, let's examine this passage. In the first part of verse 14, we see that one of the signs of a spiritual leader is that they boast in the cross of Christ. 
They boast in the cross of Christ. I love how he begins verse 14. He says, but far be it from me to boast except in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ. Now, friends, when we read that, that looks right to us, doesn't it? It it looks appropriate. And the reason why is because we're predisposed to this. I mean, it's, it's in the Bible, right? Of course it looks right. But not only do we look at it favorably because it's in the Bible, when we think of the cross, what do we most think of? We most think of who? Jesus. And Jesus is awesome. He's worth glorying in. But when you said cross in the first century, what did people think most of? The electric chair, a form of execution. People didn't go around boasting in forms of execution. I mean, think of what Paul could have said. He could have said, but but, but far be it for me to boast except in the incarnation of Jesus. Because who doesn't love Christmas, right? I mean, he could have said, I'm just going to boast in the incarnation of Jesus, and that's it. No, no, he didn't say that. He He didn't say, but far be it for me to boast except in the miracles of Jesus. Because who doesn't love the guy that makes the blind man able to see? No, no, he picks maybe the most controversial part of Jesus' ministry. And he says, I'm going to boast in the cross of Christ. You see, the Judaizers and Paul's opponents, they wanted to promote a version of Christianity without the cross. But Paul said accurately, if you remove the cross, you have no Christianity. The cross is central. There is only one way to connect sinful Galatia and holy God. And that is by, at the cross, Jesus taking the penalty of the sin of sinful Galatia so that they might be reconciled to holy God. And friends, when we are here today, there is only one way to reconcile sinful Norman with holy God. And it is at the cross where Jesus takes the penalty for our sins. It may be tempting for us to minimize the cross, but if we minimize the cross, we lose Christianity and Jesus along with it. Jesus came to give his life as a ransom to save us from our sins and to reconcile us to God. So Paul boasts, boasts, boasts in the cross of Christ. And spiritual leaders do too, because spiritual leaders know The hope of people is not found in how clever we say something. It's found in Jesus, and it's found at the cross. What's another sign of a spiritual leader? It's another sign of the spiritual leader is there's been a separation from the world. A separation from the world. Now, we see this in the second part of verse 14. I love what he says here. He says, by which the world has been crucified to me and I to the world. See, there was a time where Paul was king of the world, like Leonardo DiCaprio and Titanic, right? He was was living large. He was living the dream. He had the best education. He was a, a leader in society. People cheered him from the side. That was when he was known as this guy named Saul. He was living by the world's standards. He was living by the world's rules. He was living a world's religion, and the world applauded him at his steps. But something happened when Paul came to know Christ. There was a separation of Paul from the world. Paul said, when I trusted Jesus, a separation happened. 
and the world that I used to long for their cheers, I said, world, you are like, you're, you're dead to me. Your applause will influence me no more. I'm going to follow Jesus and Jesus alone. And the world simultaneously looked at, at Paul and said, Paul, you used to be cool. Now you're crazy. What is the matter with you? Going all over telling this Jesus message. Go back to your old message. That was working out a lot better for you. You lived in a better house back then. You drove a better car. Why are you, why are you in this Jesus movement at all? The world said, Paul, you're, you're dead to us. You're crazy. But Paul understood that when he began to follow Christ, this separation happened, and the world was crucified to Paul and Paul to the world. This separation happened, and and it's just a reminder for us again that a spiritual leader does not live by the rules of the world, lives following Christ. Third thing, spiritual leaders seek internal transformation. They they seek internal transformation. I, I love this in verse 15. He says, for neither circumcision counts for anything nor uncircumcision, but a new creation. See, circumcision, uncircumcision, those were all religious rituals. Fleshly leaders are most interested in religious rituals. They will default to those things. Ceremony, tradition. But a truly spiritual leader, well, not that they don't celebrate some religious traditions and ceremonies, but they know that it's ultimately about something deeper, something greater. And that thing that it's about is being transformed into a new creation. It's not what happens on the outside, but it's what happens on the inside. As Christ's Spirit comes and takes residence in our heart and transforms us from the inside out. That's what Paul most longed to see, was the transformation of the Galatians into the image of Christ. If you remember back what Paul said in Galatians 4.19, he said, I labor among you like a mother labors for the birth of her child so that Christ might be formed in you. A spiritual leader is not as interested in the rituals and the traditions and the ceremonies as much as they're interested in the transformation of your souls. John Stott shares this thought with us. He didn't think you were going to get out of Galatians without at least one more quote from John Stott. So here we go. He says, And it is lamentable tragedy when men become so topsy-turvy in their thinking that they substitute the sign for the thing signified, magnify a bodily ceremony at the expense of a change of heart, and make circumcision or baptism the way of salvation instead of the new creation. Friends, we need to remember where power lies. It lies in the Spirit, and it lies in the transformation of our hearts and lives, not just in the celebration of tradition or ceremony. Another sign of a spiritual leader is that they point the way to true blessing. They point the way to true blessing. What he says in verse 16, he says, and as for all who walk by this rule, peace and mercy be upon them and upon the Israel of God. Paul's desire for the Galatians was that they would receive peace with God and mercy from God. These were tremendous gifts, gifts that Paul couldn't give, but that God could give through Jesus. That's why Paul kept talking about Jesus. That's why he kept boasting in the cross, because he wanted these gifts for them. Paul might be able to create a really cool worship experience, but Paul could not give them peace with God and mercy with God. Only Jesus could do that. That's why Paul boasted in Christ. 
And what's interesting here is he says that these gifts are to be upon them. Who do you think the them is? It's the Galatians. And they were predominantly Gentile. But then Paul follows that up and says, and also upon the Israel of God. In other words, these gifts of peace and mercy with God were available to all through Jesus. Through Jesus. Regardless of your background, Paul understood where these gifts were found. As a spiritual leader, he pointed them in that direction. But the fifth element that he mentions here is that a sign of a spiritual leader is a life marked by commitment to Jesus. And we see this in verse 17. He says in verse 17, he says, From now on, let no one cause me trouble, for I bear on my body the marks of Jesus. Now, what are those marks that he mentions? I mean, we might look at this and, and see that this word marks here might refer to basically like a tattoo. And so is, is he saying that we bear on our bodies an ichthus on our ankle? Because that's how we express that we're Christ's followers. I'm not saying that that's not something you could do. I'm just saying that that's not what this passage is saying. The mark on Paul's body was not a tattoo. The mark on Paul's body was what? Literal scars. See, when Paul showed up in Galatia, he preached the good news. And how did they respond? Some believed, but those who didn't believe, what did they do? They picked up stones and they threw at him with an attempt to kill him. And they beat him. And they kicked him in the dirt. And to this day, Paul had scars on his body. Paul says, hey, y'all want to see my credentials? You want to trouble me for some credentials? Look at my face and see where it's been deformed from where the stone hit it in your city. I so believe in this message. I so believe in your transformation that I am willing to endure hardship. I am willing to be beaten so that you might know Christ. Spiritual leaders are willing to sacrifice so that others would know Christ. These are signs of a spiritual leader. And again, why why do we go through all of these? Well, because some of you may move to an inferior city, and you may wonder, how might we find a church that we could be a part of? Look for churches, look for Bible studies that aren't just not those things, but, but churches that are these things, people that are pointing you in these directions. And again, I put these up here by way of, of accountability. If you are not experiencing leadership within the body of Christ here at Wildwood like this, then challenge us on this because this is what it looks like to follow Christ in leadership. And so we're reminded that we are to follow not fleshly leaders, but spiritual leaders. But again, as we saw before, we are also to be spiritual people, Right? It's not just, these standards aren't just put out there so we know who to follow, but they're also put out there to show us who we are to be. May we be someone who depends on the Spirit, trust Him in that way. And lastly, might we be spiritual leaders? Knowing where life is found, might we point people to Christ as well? And so we have seen what a spiritual leader looks like. But I want to end with a really important point. We've seen what a fleshly leader looks like. We've seen what a spiritual leader looks like. But the last thing we need to remember is this. Consider your leader's leader. Consider your leader's leader. Those who you are following, who are they following? 
You see, Paul should not be lifted up and deified. Paul was a man. But Paul also wasn't the one at the front of the parade. Who's at the front? Who's in the lead car? Jesus is, right? Jesus was Paul's leader. Paul was following Jesus. So as we follow Paul's direction, we're really actually following Jesus because Paul got his direction from him. And it's important for us as we think about our lives to know who is leading those we're following. Follow those who are following Christ. I love how he ends in verse 18. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you in your spirit. You know what's, what's amazing about this? He mentions here the Lord Jesus Christ. This is the 45th time in Galatians that Paul used Jesus' name. 45th time. You know how many verses there are? 149. Roughly one out of every three verses. Paul was consumed with Christ. He was following Christ. And so he says, follow me as I follow Christ. And so for all of us, we want to sum summarize the entire message of Galatians down to this one point, what would it be? Follow Jesus. Follow Jesus. He's created a new normal. He's created a new way. He's given us a new power. And he gives us a love to love others. Follow Jesus. Jesus.